Just Our Real Estate, episode number 284. All right, guys, thank you for joining me today on Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and today I have a great show for you, and I am really excited to dive in and start sharing some content with you. But before I do, I want to talk about something that I think is often not talked about enough. It's not emphasized enough in a lot of people's business. Everyone wonders, how am I going to find money? How am I going to fund deals? And what do I do once I get a uh, property under contract? And how am I going to hire contractors? And oh, I'm so nervous. But what people fail to do well and what I think is lacking in a lot of people's you know, goals for, the, for their business and what they're spending time on is they're not spending enough time generating leads. You are not a real estate investor if you're not generating leads. You can't get a deal without first getting the leads in the door. And how best to do that? Well, there's a lot of ways to do it, right? We've talked about them on the show a million times. You can use realtors. You can um, you know, network with other real estate investors you can you know put out bandit size you can do a lot of things but one of the ways that people are not doing it and not doing it effectively for sure is online lead generating websites and I'm talking about a website that when set up can deliver organic leads and by organic I mean you're not really paying for them or at least you're paying very little for these leads and they're coming through your website every day people are coming to you to sell their house and you get to sift and sort through all these leads and find the best ones that you can invest in. So I highly suggest that you make part of your business plan right now to get a lead generating website up and running and have it working for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is an often overlooked aspect of this business, but don't overlook it anymore. Go to my website at juststartrealestate.com on the right-hand side, click on the Lead Propeller banner. Now, what is Lead Propeller? Lead Propeller is it's a service that allows you, using their software, to set up a very, very nice lead generating website. It's a website that looks current. It's really interactive and it's a great, great looking site. But best of all, it works. It generates leads. Guys, I have one. I'm generating leads from it. You should too. Don't wait any longer. Go to my website at juststartrealestate.com. Click on the Lead Propeller banner. Go to Lead Propeller and check them out. It's dirt cheap to join. And in fact, the first month is free if you go through my website. So go through my website. Click on the Lead Propeller banner, check it out, get the first month free. It's completely risk-free because after the first month, if you don't think it's what you thought it was going to be or it's not everything that I'm telling you, then cancel and you owe nothing. But guys, I'm going to tell you, you're going to love it. You really should have one up. If you don't have a lead generating website, go there, check it out, get one up today. I know you'll be happy that you did. All right, on to the show. All right, guys, it's Friday. Welcome to another Quick Point episode. Last show on Wednesday, we talked about how to choose the market that you're going to invest in, how to know which markets to invest in, which one makes sense, depending on your goals and what you're trying to achieve, or if you're a wholesaler, who, who's on your buyer's list, who you're trying to sell to. That's how you pick your market, right? And obviously, you have to pick within a budget if you're a fix and flip or buy and hold guy, and you know you have a certain budget you have to stay within. Maybe it's your investors. Maybe it's what you're approved for for a loan, maybe your private money or your own you know, personal money, whatever it might be, that's how you, you choose your, your market, right? So 
I told you then at the end of the show on Wednesday that we were going to talk today about uh, having more than one exit strategy, and that's that's important, and it's it's probably more important for new investors, although new investors rarely do this very well. It's usually experienced investors that are really good at having more than one exit strategy, and they're usually the ones that don't necessarily need a lot of different exit strategies because you know they've honed their skills to a point or they're you know they just sort of have this game down well enough that that they're not, you know, they're not making mistakes or buying in the wrong areas or paying too much or over rehabbing. And the reason why, you know, the only reason why you need more than one exit strategy, to be perfectly honest with you, is if something outside of your control, fairly drastic changes for you after you buy the house, or if you simply, you know, royally screw up on something um, and you miscalculated something and you discover it after you bought the house, right? And that might sound a little bit harsh, but let's look at it this way. Let's let's take a for example. Let's say you buy a house and you want it to be, it's a fix and flip property. That's why you buy it. You want to fix it up, flip it, and make a profit, right? You buy the house for $50,000. The house will sell for, let's say, $130,000, right? That's what your ARV is, $130,000. You figure it'll take $20,000 to renovate, so end of the day, nice profit. Makes sense, nice, tidy, clean clean deal, right? You buy it as a fix and flip. But you buy the house and, you know, once you're into it and you're looking at it, you start, you know, tearing out a wall or tearing, you know, out some drywall or whatever, and you realize the electrical's all screwed up. You didn't look at the roof well enough. The roof is bad. There's mold underneath the roof. Um, you know, the basement foundation is just crumbling and you just didn't notice it because you didn't get an inspection done and you didn't know what you were looking for. At the end of the day, you're, you're realizing that this $20,000 $20, rehab is going to be like a fifty dollars or $60,000 rehab. And oh, by the way, once you take a closer look at the ARV and you start talking to other investors and realtors, they tell you, no, that house will never sell for $130,000. The ARV you should have calculated is closer to one hundred and ten, And you know, you were way, way, way under on your budget and way over on, you know, on your ARV. So now what do you do? Well, you may have to have an, uh, multiple exit strategies on this one. You're not going to be able to flip it. You're going to have to do the renovations, especially the safety ones where the foundation is no good and there's some mold and things like that. But maybe you're going to have to scale back your rehab a little bit so that you can you know, make it into a good rental. That would be plan B. That's your second exit strategy is to make it a rental. This is not, you know, it's not uncommon. It's a very common thought process that, you know, a fix and flip person will buy a house and in the back of their mind, they're thinking plan B is to rent it if I can't sell it, right? So it's okay and it's and it's good to have a plan B, but now we look at that, that scenario and what I was telling you at the beginning here was if you really do a good job and you don't make any mistakes and nothing outside of your control changes after you buy the house, you shouldn't really need a second exit strategy because your exit strategy should work if everything was calculated right and nothing outside of your control. And when I say outside of your control, you know, maybe the market fluctuation, you know, affects the price of the house so that it's not, you know, going to be profitable. Um, you know, maybe you don't miss the ARV, but you just, you, you take too long rehabbing it and the market changes dramatically from the time you bought it to the time that you can sell it. So, you know, maybe the money isn't there, you know, the profit's not there, I should say, when you go to sell. So that was where you need a plan B, right? Something outside of your control, the market, 
or something within your control, you miscalculated ARV, rehab, whatever the case may be, and you need a plan B. So that's, you know, that's what people people mean when they say have a plan B is something to that effect, right? You, you Maybe you were going to start as a fix and flip and you end up having to um, buy and hold. You have to hold on to it as a rental. So, but if you don't, if you don't make a mistake, if you really know what you're doing, a lot of times your initial and uh, um, intention with the property will work. It'll be fine. So that's what I mean when I say sometimes you know the more experienced investors realize that they need to buy properties with multiple exit strategies in mind. They're not necessarily the ones who need it. The the new investors are the ones who need the multiple strategies. So when you're purchasing a property, just be careful. Try, obviously, always try to make sure your numbers are right. Things that are outside of your control are just that. They're outside of your control. So you can't get overly concerned about something you can't control. But you know, this is why it's good to network and talk to people within the real estate investing community so that you have a sounding board. You have other people that you can run deals past to make sure that you're not missing anything, to make sure that, you know, your numbers make sense and they look right. So someone else can sort of look at this and give you a sanity check. But the bottom line is if you're new in this business, you really should try to make sure that you're, okay, if you're buying a fix and flip, Make sure that if it doesn't sell, that you will have an opportunity to use it as a rental. So that might mean your financing might have to be a little bit flexible, or you might have to have backup financing where if you bought it as a fix and flip and it's short-term financing, that you can refinance out of that into something long-term so that you can hold on to it as a rental. I know a lot of people who, you know, their first deal, it was supposed to be a fix and flip, but the you know mistakes happened, things changed, whatever the case may be, and they ended up renting the house. And sometimes you know they'll tell you it's one of the best rentals they've ever had. It's just cash flowed. It's been great. Other times they'll say it was a disaster. I didn't lose money. I'm never really not making any cash flow, but at least I didn't lose a ton of money. So I'm just riding this out until the market changes. That's fine. Either way, you know it happens, and, and it happens to the best of us. So don't don't worry too much about that. Uh, but just make sure that you are at least looking for more than one way out whenever you are purchasing a property. Maybe it's something where right after you purchase it, you know, you realize something's changed or you did something wrong and you can wholesale it. Maybe you could wholesale it right away to a landlord who it does make sense for them. They, they can handle that investment, you know, whatever, you know, you may look at as, as having done wrong, something you did that didn't work out or you didn't calculate. They can, they can deal with that. It's not a problem for them. So always, always, especially if you're new, look for multiple exit strategies. Now, I can say as a fix and flip guy, I, I rarely buy a house thinking that I'm going to have to change gears or, you know, go revert to plan B. The struggle or the challenge with a fix and flip property that you buy and you fix it and you can't flip it is... For me in my market, in, in if I'm buying a rental property, rental property, um, people who are renting have different expectations for the finishes and the materials that are used in a house than someone who's going to buy it and live in it. Just It's just fact of the matter. So sometimes when I'm, not sometimes, actually almost always, when I'm going to buy a house for a fix and flip, the, the renovation that I'm doing, the materials that I'm using, the finishes that I'm using in the house are going to be 
over and above what I would need to do or want to do in a rental property. So there's a, there, there is some money wasted there. I'm, I'm over rehabbing the property if I end up having to rent it. But I can tell you that having to rent the property because something went wrong in the fix and flip process is better than losing money, right? So have that second strategy. Always have multiple exit strategies. At least have them in your mind so that you're ready to execute them if need be. As you go along, as you get more experience, you'll find less and less and less need to revert to plan B. But it's always good to have, listen, better be safe than sorry, right? This is, you know, real money we're talking about. And in some cases, it's it's a lot of money we're talking about. In any market, it's a lot of money, but you know, in some markets, it's more than others. So be very careful, be conscious of your market, where you're buying, what your intentions are, and always, always, always check double check and then triple check your numbers before you buy a property so you don't end up getting yourself in trouble. Okay, guys, that's all I have for today. Have a great weekend. Remember, if you want to be a real estate investor, if you really mean business and you're sick of waiting for the right time and reading and listening and you just haven't taken that plunge, there's only one path to success in real estate. Just start. 